The Ringer Gambling Show is here to help you place your bets on the biggest sports around the world. Join NFL analyst Warren Sharp on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. Each week, they'll cover everything from spreads, game totals, and parlays to player props, futures, post-game reactions, and more. Check out The Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Jordan Macy does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com. It's Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber. Kevin O'Concert. Kevin O'Climber. Kevin O'Candyland. Kevin O'Christmas. Kevin O'Conflict. Kevin! It's Happy New Year week for us. It is a Happy New Year week. Hope everybody had a very good Christmas holiday. And every time we flip on the NBA, Kevin, you know it became a joke. Many years ago, when you and I were doing this podcast where I said, who is Rashawn Holmes? And then last year, I remember it was, who is Nathan Knight? Like, these guys are like (laughs) wily veterans who, of course, I know who they are now because every time you tune in a game now, it's like, who? I have spent more time (laughs) looking up players in the last week than I have since we began this podcast, um, many times it's guys in the starting lineup. I believe as of yesterday, the NBA set a record for 541 players appearing Man. in an NBA game Man. this year. And that was Greg Monroe, who I was very familiar with. <laughs> Dude, did you see Greg Monroe after the game? He, he scores 11 points off the bench his first time playing in like three years against the Celtics. And, and by the way, embarrassing loss for Boston last oh. night. And just absolutely embarrassing. But Greg Monroe's asked, like, do you know your teammates? And he's like, not going to lie. You know, Jalen Noel had a great game with 29 points, but I have no idea who that guy is. <laughs> Even Greg Monroe. It was reminiscent of, uh, you know, that guy that started for the Baltimore Ravens over the weekend, Josh Johnson, said he had played on 14 different NFL teams. And I remember 
at one point when Washington had signed him years ago, he there was this story that came out that said he went and played Madden so he could learn everybody's oh, wow. name on the team. He didn't know anybody on the team, so he went and played Madden. So That's Greg Monroe funny. should have gone and played 2K. Some of these guys yeah. are going to have to go play 2K to try to figure out uh, who's on their team. But yeah, Greg Monroe became the 541st player to appear. There are more players as of this morning that have gone into protocol, uh, not the least of which is Montrezl Harrell. And that their number, I believe the Wizards, who had gotten ravaged by COVID last season, I think their number's up to seven now. You have teams just signing guys to 10-day contracts, signing guys uh, with a hardship waiver, to try to get by, and it's rather clear the NBA is just going to try to power through this, and they've changed some of the protocols uh, in the last 24 hours, so maybe a shorter stay out of the lineup um, if you are not symptomatic, but here's just hoping that the NBA can power through this, despite some reporting that executives are a bit miffed that they're having to field teams. Have you talked to anybody about this? I can understand the frustration of fielding teams right now that are absolutely no representative of the team that you built going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I've had some conversations. I mean, like everything else, it's mixed opinions. You have some people who are frustrated, some people who totally understand and aren't all that worried about it, you know, that say it is what it is. We're just going to move forward with whatever the NBA tells us to do. They're kind of the Belichick type of approach, you know? Um, uh, it seems like most people tend to lean on that side where, like, they understand that this is just the circumstances and that the NBA isn't going to cancel or pause, you know, all these ge- – they're not going to pause the season and cancel a bunch of games. Um, so, I mean, just having to deal with it. And, and ultimately, like, uh, for a lot of these guys, whether it's – people that are from the G League or former veterans like a Greg Monroe or Isaiah Thomas getting opportunities for a lot of these teams when with guys out what type of opportunities are being created maybe for some of their younger players to get opportunities to play get consistent minutes they're trying to make the most of it and uh, I I think that I, I think like the Golden State Warriors win that we saw over the weekend against the Phoenix Suns is really a great example you know uh, some of the guys that they have missing and they slide Otto Porter, our, another one of our guys, into the starting lineup. And it's like, damn. I mean, granted, he was uh, signing over the offseason, but some of these teams that made the acquisitions over the summer are doing it now that have depth. It's showing the, the importance of pro personnel scouting. There's no question. Yeah, that starting lineup the other night included not only uh, Otto Porter, but also Gary Payton. Right, who's, who's who was starting in that game last night? The best game was the Suns and the Grizzlies. And to your point, there was no there was no Jay Crowder, there was no DeAndre Ayton. As early in the afternoon, it was announced that he was going to be entering protocols. And like you were saying, young guys getting the opportunity. It was a career high for Jalen Smith last night, who like. Never plays. It feels like, like I feel like I never see they didn't, Jalen they didn't even, Smith. They didn't even pick up his contract for next year. Yeah, he's he's there last night uh, with a career high. He's getting a little opportunity. Obviously, Memphis has played all manner of players, including John Conchar in the starting lineup. The I last like Conchar, two games. Chris. Oh, he's a player now. He's good. 
Yeah, he's a player. Really good. Um, and like you were saying, with the scouting and the pro, pro personnel, um, Memphis got up 18 on Phoenix last night. Looked like they could run away with it, and it just wasn't the Suns' night. And next thing you know, that lead has totally disintegrated. Devin Booker hits a top-of-the-key three to go up one with about five seconds left to go. And then John Morant goes in, drives on everybody, hangs in the air, and hits a game winner for Memphis. They became the first team this year, Kevo, to beat the Warriors and the Suns. Nobody else has done it. Nobody else has done it. And look, the Grizzlies are right now in the four slot, which is rather unbelievable. You know, everybody's gone through uh, losing a bunch of players throughout this last few months. Um, but you look up, and they're in the four slot as a team that would be getting home court advantage unbelievably. What are the chances, in your mind, that they could hang on to that? That we could look up at the end of the season, and in fact, Memphis is four in the West. I think there's a there's a chance. I mean, this is a good team. It's a good team. Um, and like uh, you look at the teams behind them, the Clippers right now, they're in the fifth slot. Paul George is out. Obviously, no Kawhi Leonard. The Nuggets in the sixth spot. Jamal Murray not due back until at least February. Dallas at seven. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. They've been incredibly inconsistent. Then Minnesota. I don't see them necessarily keep catching up with Memphis. Lakers at nine. You could see L.A. with LeBron and A.D. and Russell Westbrook catching up. You could see that. It's a long that. time without A.D., though. It, it is a long time. Spurs, Blazers. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's really, after Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah with those top three spots, I mean, Memphis. Wide open. It's wide open. I mean, very well, Memphis could hold on to that four spot. And I think with this Grizzlies team, they showed during that stretch without John Morant, just kept on winning. We talked about it. The depth this team has, there's no bad players in this rotation. When guys are out, they can slide John Conchar into the starting five, and it doesn't feel like you're losing something. They have uh, Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff have done just done an outstanding job, as well as Zach Kleiman and the front office and building out a full roster where guys can be missing. And this is so important during this COVID year. Guys are going to inevitably be out of the lineup, whether due to injury or protocols. And the Memphis Grizzlies have a way of just sliding people into the rotation. So that, to me, when you assess who's going to hold on to the four spot or even just get even just holding a top six spot, that gives Memphis a strong edge. Is that surprising, Chris? Like, are people are people within the organization surprised that the Grizzlies are this good this soon? I think that there was a feeling amongst many that what was discounted in preseason projections is something that is very, very difficult to assess, which is how much do your players improve? Morant, Bain, It's a very difficult Jackson. thing to do. Well, and the Bain thing is another level, right? He, he set another career high last night. He's getting he's, better. He's better right now than he was in October. Like, he's getting better. Since month the middle month. of November, he's been the best three-point shooter in the entire NBA. He had 30 
uh, 32, I believe, to set the career high last night. It's not outrageous for him to have over 25 on any given night. I mean, even recently, um, he had that 29-point game at Dallas. He had another 28. Last night, he had 32. And these are against, I mean, this was against Phoenix last night that he's able to do it. And so it that's one of the things it's very difficult to assess is to try to figure out. You look at teams' rosters, and it's like, okay, who takes a huge leap? Who is so much better? And Grayson Allen has been very, very good for Milwaukee, but they cleared the way for Desmond Bain to be able to start for them uh, by moving Grayson Allen, you know, and you never know. And like, there's even guys, I'll even tell you, Steven Adams is, he has been outstanding. He has been so much better than he looked in a New Orleans uniform, the way they use him, the match he has with Jackson. And he is a much better passer than I ever thought. He, I think last night he had over five assists again, and that was the most he's had. I mean, he's already surpassed the amount of uh, assists he had. Um, he is a great screen setter for guys that either can get to the basket or make shots. So I think it's just how much do you – your coaching staff deserves credit for putting guys in the right position. But one of the things you never know how to assess is – how much better are guys going to get? And I think that while, yes, they probably felt confident that these guys would all have improvement, you can't. E- e- even somebody that's very high on Bain, and you were, you're not expecting in year two for him to be dropping 32 on the road in Phoenix. Hell no. Hell you know no. what I mean? No like, way. That's not, that's not in the cards. No way. I, I, like me and almost everybody like who, who follows the draft and NBA draft Twitter loved Desmond Bain. Like, you know, everybody loved Desmond Bain. And I, I, don't, I don't think anybody could have expected what you just described. 32 points on the road, scoring in the manner that he did against a team that just a couple months ago was in the NBA Finals. I don't think anybody could have expected that in year two, doing it in the manner that he has. And you mentioned Steven Adams. He looks rejuvenated in this role with the opportunity that he has with the point guard that he has with John Moran, with the guy that he can use in some dribble handoff actions with Desmond Bain. My favorite play, you mentioned his assists. My favorite play from that win last night for the Grizzlies was a John Moran, Steven Adams pick and roll. Steven Adams rolls down the lane. John Morant delivers him the ball. And Adams, I think he took one dribble and then immediately kicked it out to Bain for a wide open corner three. It was just a great wraparound pass to kick out to Bain for a three. And it's like, he he just fits. He just fits. And people compared Morant to Westbrook in the past in terms of like downhill athletic point guard. I don't think it's that accurate of a comparison for a lot of different reasons. But in terms of the downhill aspect, Adams has that again with Morant, and that's really activated his passing that we haven't seen since OKC. It's just, it's, I don't know, man. This Grizzlies team, top to bottom on the roster, they're not a championship team. They're not. Like Phoenix, Utah, and Golden State are on another level from everybody else in the Western Conference right now. The Lakers in the playoffs with LeBron, AD, Westbrook, and whatever other changes they might make, they still need to be considered threats because of the roster. But Memphis... It's pretty obvious they're next. I think they are better now than anybody expected them to be now. 
And I think the West is just much weaker. The one team I would say as we were going through those is if Denver gets Murray back, they could hit a big run. I could see that. They would be that they deserve the respect with Jokic playing how he has been playing this year. He just needs somebody to run with him. I mean, this guy, everything is on him every night. If they got him back in time where he's playing, you know, a large part of uh, the second part of the season, you could see them having an outstanding record the rest of the way. They, They would be, and they deserve the respect. I mean, they've got the. They've got the best guy of those behind them. I, you know, you mentioned L.A., and you said, you know, it wouldn't surprise you if they made a run. I'm at the point it would surprise me. They really? stink. Really? Yeah, they're not any good. They're not any good. Look, I, 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 I shouldn't be talking about it's this. It's the star because, power, Chris. It's the star power I, I get aspect it. that I, you know? I get it. It doesn't fit. So you're totally out. I, but, but, I like, mean, but I think the reason why I feel that way is because for the reason you stated. The West is weaker. With this roster, I'm out. And I think they're going to, I think they are going to, un, I think this roster for the Lakers is going to look radically different post trade deadline. That's what my guess would be. They, can't, they know they can't roll with this. I mean, look, I've said when you go into the playoffs with LeBron and AD, I still love your chances. I'd still rather have that duo. The problem is the rest of it. They don't have like just role guys, you know, guys that know their role and just keep the ball moving. I mean, when when all that tomfoolery about Caruso is the greatest teammate LeBron's ever had, and <laughs> all, like there is like while we goofed about it, there is some truth in the fact that yeah, the reason that it works is because it's gonna be a LeBron James show and. You've got to not take bad shots. You got to cut to the basket. You got to defend your position and you got to keep the ball moving. And that's it. You know, and it feels to me like they don't have guys that just do that. I, those guys, the other ones, I mean, KCP, Kuzma, Caruso, you know, I didn't think it was all that good. And I thought they could certainly improve from that, but those guys knew their place within the team. And it's not one of those situations. It used to be for so many years. If you went out there and took some goofy ass shot, LeBron would just look over at the coach and say, get his ass out of here. Like you can't do that with Carmelo. You can't do that with Russell Westbrook. You can't do that with Avery Bradley. Like that, that's not the, that's not the guys that you say, get his ass out of here. I mean, what what you're touching on, Chris, it's like, just to compare the Lakers to the Nuggets here, the Nuggets getting Murray back, that fixes some things. They they are outscoring teams by 186 points with Jokic on the floor. They're getting outscored by 197 points with Jokic off the floor. You stagger Murray and Jokic, that should help those minutes where you don't have Jokic. The Lakers, the fixes are a lot more complicated because of the roster fit issues. I think with Denver, it's a bit more seamless. With the Lakers, you mentioned how this roster might look totally different after the trade deadline. My question is how? Because who is the player that you're trading that has value? Who on this team is getting you something in return that actually enhances what your team is? Because Horton Tucker, 
at this point, people I talked to around the league before the season, they're thinking, yeah, maybe could be a piece for the Lakers. At this point, he's shooting 23% from three, below 40% from the field. He has not been good. He has not made progress with the opportunities that he's been provided. His value is down. Everybody else in this roster, like Carmelo, isn't going to get you anything. I, I, Malik Monk, Ellington, Bradley, Bazemore, Austin Reeves, quality young guy, you know, but he's not getting you anything. Rondo, DJ, Dwight Howard, Ariza, where is the value on the roster? It's not there. Where's the value with draft picks? They can only trade their 2026 first rounder or their 2028 first rounder. They cannot give both because of NBA rules. So they can only trade a first round pick in 26 or 28 in Horton Tucker and then a bunch of guys that are older that really don't have any value. So for the Lakers here, what is the move? Who is even somebody that could be moved? What can be done here? I look at the Lakers and I feel like they're kind of stuck in the improvements need to come from. That's why I'm on Russell Westbrook, Chris. The pieces have to change within. That well, and there'll, be a, there'll be a buyout team like like yeah, they always are, right? Like, you know, know, there will be. You're always surprised. But yeah. there'll be a buyout team. There'll be a couple guys that latch onto them. You yeah. know, that who, who's I, on the buyout market right now, anyway? Like Thad who Young. Knows? Thad Young, maybe. But San Antonio can find a Thad Young deal. Absolutely. That's not a, that's not a hard deal to find. Right. I agree with you. John Wall. I, there's I, always guys. There's but do you always want guys. John Wall <laughs> with Russell Westbrook? You want both of them? No. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the deal. You want both? I mean, I, 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 Can you I imagine that? I, I'm hoping they run it back with another deal, which would be absolutely hilarious. Chris, I'll tell you what. You, you, you were the first person to ever bring up Westbrook for Wall Part 2. First person on, on planet Earth, I believe. Uh, sources tell me that you were the first. That idea makes more and more and more it's sense. It's not crazy. Week, week to week, it makes more and more sense. I was speaking I, it into existence. I, I even put it in my article this week. Did I you saw see that? that. I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, because here's the thing LeBron James and Clutch, they know everything there is to know about John Wall's condition. They know everything to, there is to know about his mentality because John Wall is a Clutch client. They know everything, they know if it's worth going after a John Wall. Absolutely. Let's 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 assume that Clutch believes John Wall gets in the court and he's going to be really good. John Wall said to me in 2020 before he got traded for the first time for Russell Westbrook how excited he was to play with Bradley Beal, how excited he was to take a back seat because for years he always had to be the guy running the offense. He wanted to do more spotting out, more cutting. He wanted to alleviate his workload and I and I believe him. Sometimes you you talk to players and like they say things and you're like, you're full of shit. I believe John Wall with that conversation that I had to him because we talked for a long time about it openly and honestly. But let's say health-wise, he's good. Let's say mentality-wise, he's willing to take a backseat to LeBron James. If you're LeBron, like he, LeBron's smart enough to think like, damn, like this could be a way better fit with, with Wall, a better shooter than Westbrook, a more committed, focused defender than Westbrook a better cutter than Westbrook, a guy who in the past has done more of the little things more consistently than Westbrook. So, uh, hold on now. It like, makes I'm some not, sense. Not, it not, makes some not, sense, Chris. Look, I'm just saying because I, this is weird because I'm not going to talk about how much better John Wall is than Russell Westbrook. He is not. 
it is a better fit because Fitz. it is a yes. worse. No, because it's a worse player. You need somebody that's like, <laughs> like there's a reason He's a why. <laughs> yeah, somebody that knows they're not the one. You need somebody bad. It's a better fit because he's a yeah. worse player. I love yes. it. <laughs> it's genius. It's, it's genius. <laughs> but that's what we need. We need somebody worse than Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Right now, he's typically, worse. typically he's you because always... he's worse. That's right. You know, you know, like it doesn't make any sense, but it makes all the sense all in the, the world. That's it all makes the all sense in the world. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you how much better John Wall is. I think it's a better fit because he's yeah. a worse player. Um, but and, uh, and, and, and it would, Mike, be, it would be a risk, know, and he would know theoretically yes. his role. Would they be. would know. They yes. they they would 100 know. But I'll. I'll it is a risk, though, because John Wall's played 40 games the last three years. His his injury concerns are way more worrisome than Russell Westbrook's are. And also, the fact is, is that you would lose the upside of Russ. I, like, I knock Russ all the time. Russ frustrates the hell out of me. But he's an unbelievable player. And, I mean, he was an unbelievable player. Not so much anymore. Um, and the upside that he can provide on one night to lift you up, that that would be lost. And for the Lakers, that's why they got him in the first place. And it just hasn't it just hasn't worked so far. And also, when I when I tweeted about about that uh, that uh, trade idea with the article the other day, Rockets fans were like, "No, no, we don't want Russ back. What else are you going to give us? Because they want the worst player. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> they also want the worst player who's not playing right now. By the way, they want the guy on the bench." <laughs> What whatever that story like three weeks ago that John Wall is going to start playing? Yeah, what happens? I haven't I I, ha- I haven't seen anything reported there, and I I personally haven't heard a peep. Um, odd since that. It was like John Wall is about to they, they, they he's about to start playing for the Rockets, and then it was like oh, actually yeah, and then they wanted him starting, but he wanted to come off the bench. I think that's when I made my Garrison Matthews joke. But Garrison Matthews has been really good. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. One thing that uh, stood out from last night was the Bulls do keep on rocking. Uh, Vucevic had this crazy stat line last night, and they are now two behind Brooklyn. And I, I think that we were all sitting back going, you know what, if it does work, it could be really good. But I think they have, much like we were talking about the Memphis team earlier, they have greatly exceeded whatever our highest expectation was of it all fitting together. And no small part of that has been both Levine and DeRozan being simultaneously awesome this year. The fact that that has worked so well you know, has been rather impressive. And the whole thing, and I I don't think it is, I don't think it's crazy to think 
that they're going to be a top four, that they could be a home court advantage team. And and like I said, we didn't really know without seeing it. There, it was it was hard to know how it was all going to work and how it was all going to fit together. But but Billy Donovan deserves some credit uh, for sure, and the team being better defensively than we would have expected, and certainly can be devastating offensively. And they've been able to do it with guys out of the lineup, which speaks to some of the depth that they have. It's not just their big stars on that team. The Bulls have been a really great story. And you look here now, we're at the end of 2021, and they're sitting as the second seed in the Eastern Conference. What do you make of it? I'm a believer, Chris. I'm a believer in the Bulls. I mean, before the season, the whole deal with them was, well, this offense is going to click if these guys uh, are sacrificed, if they play together, and they've done that. I mean, Caruso and Ball are not just the only guys in this team who are screening and cutting and spotting up and doing the little things. You're seeing that from DeRozan. You're seeing that from Levine. Those guys are scrapping and playing hard and playing selflessly. I mean... Like on multiple occasions this season, you've seen DeRozan willingly say, Hey, Levine, it's your turn. You're failing it tonight. You have the better matchup. Or Levine say to DeRozan, It's your turn. You have the better opportunity now. Those guys can trade off being the man. And that level of sacrifice that they have is the reason why that offense is clicking. Defensively, they've just been very, very good all year long. And Lonzo. And Caruso are big reasons why they did not play in that in that win against the Hawks last night. But you mentioned Vucevic. He has been way, way, way better offensively the last couple of weeks after a sluggish start offensively with Chicago. The game he had last night was really kind of a, a, a symbol of what he's been doing lately. I'm not sure, Chris. Like I, I'm, I haven't put together my early All-NBA teams, but Vuce belongs on the pile of guys that will be in consideration for that third team spot because you obviously you got Jokic, you got Gobert with those first team spots for center. But well, hold on now. How about Embiid? He's still there. Embiid. I'm just saying he's on the pile. Like it could be a forward spot. I don't know how the NBA is going to list him, but I'm just saying Vooch. If you're considering the fact his role on this Bulls team, if he's able to maintain nearly 20 points per game for the rest of the season, the level of responsibility he has in the offense as a facilitator. His defense has been so good this year. It's been his best year of his career defensively, the rebounding. He's just checking all the boxes for what the Bulls need. Ah, well, he also deserves massive credit for his response last night. So our buddies over at StatMuse put out that he had 24 points, 17 rebounds, six assists, four blocks, and four made threes, and that no player in NBA history has ever had or exceeded that stat line. And so they went and asked him in the locker room, and he says, it's nice to hear, but when it comes to those stats, I feel like you can make up a stat with anything nowadays. (laughs) Then he said, I feel like stats in general should be like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 games. So it's consistent. Obviously, it's hard to find the same exact stat as I had. 24 is random. 17 is random. It's nice, obviously. I'm glad I played well, and I was able to do a good all-around game to help us win. But as far as that, it's nice, but I don't necessarily care to be the only player to do that. (laughs) 
It's <laughs> a great response. It's unbelievable. It's a great they're like, response. They're like, do you know that no one's ever had 24 17? This, this, and that. And he's like, what? Like, those are just random ass numbers. <laughs> and, he, uh, <laughs> he must not love he must not love the Bill Simmons podcast. Oh, it's so funny though. It's really, it's really funny. Uh, that, that's um, funny. I, I, I also like with him, just to be clear here. Embiid would be ahead of ahead of Vooch for all NBA. I'm just saying, like, if the NBA does what they often do, listing guys as center as forward, he belongs on the pile in consideration for a 13th spot. He's been that good. Well, and he's also shooting, uh, you know, I mentioned the three-pointers being a part of that stat last night. He's 36% now. I mean, that's moved up. And, you know, it, it, shooting from the field hasn't been as good, but that three-point number... Um, is just a tick above his career percentage, but that was that was lower, and he's gotten that up. So, man, with his ability to stretch the floor with the two guys that can get to the rim at will, the space that he provides by being able to knock down threes just can make them really, de- really a tough guard. Really, it's so important, guard. man. I mean, like I, I was on Ryan Russell's pod this week, and you know we talked about really the only missing piece that they have is that big burly defender. You know, a guy that you can throw on to Giannis, a guy that you can, you know, a lengthy defender that you can throw on to KD. Patrick Williams, if he's able to get back with the wrist injury that he has sometime toward the end of the regular season or during the playoffs, getting him back or some type of equivalent type of player, that that's that's really all that I feel like Chicago is missing. Other than that, with DeRozan and Levine, you got the scores, Lonzo and Caruso. You got your wing defenders. Vooch is such a great, versatile defender. They have other quality pieces that fit around all of that. They're just missing that that lengthy defender. If they can find that, uh, they have all the the pieces that are required to win a championship. So All Star voting started. Vucevic, as you mentioned, he's going to have a chance. I mean, they would have a chance of maybe getting three, simply because of. DeRozan and Levine are going to make that team. So as we they, know, they better make that team. 50% goes to the fans, 25% the media, 25% for the players. This is possibly the strangest year I can ever remember. Um, you have so many big time stars in the league that have not played or are now injured. You have a lot of guys that have missed a lot of time. Guys that are mainstays on all-star teams that their spot might not be their spot anymore. Uh, we know there's two back courts, there's three front courts, there's seven bench guys. Um, and I was kind of going through who are locks for this, and there's not as many as I would have suspected. Clearly, in the West, Curry, Chris Paul, and Donovan Mitchell. Devin Booker will be there too. He'll make that team. But I don't know about Luca. I don't know about Dame. You know, these spots that I would have at the beginning of the year just marked in. Those guys are going to be all-stars for sure. And then you're going to have, as I mentioned, Booker. And then you've got Morant. You've got Anthony Edwards. you got some other guys uh, that could be first-timers, maybe dependent upon what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. But you do have, you know, there's no Kawhi. Paul George is now going to miss a lot of time. Anthony Davis is going to miss a lot of time. I mean, this is going to be strange 
this year as to see how these all-star teams are constructed. And as I said, they, they started the voting. But if you gave me a ballot right now, it's hard to come by. So I just tried to like write down first-timers. I think Morant will get there. I think LaMelo has a chance. Fred Van Vliet has a chance. But I would say Garland has to make it. Darius Garland, he has to make it. Um, you know, the locks, Durant, Giannis, Embiid, for sure. Um, I think DeRozan. I think probably Jimmy Butler. But, I mean, you have guys that were last year's. Who knows on Vooch? Julius Randle, Sabonis, they may be out. I mean, I just, it, as they announced this voting, Kev, and I'm thinking about this, I'm like, man, this all-star team could look a whole lot different than last year's and the years before, where we're just used to penciling in those guys are all-stars. I think there's going to be a whole new crop. Well, one name you didn't mention is how about Ben Simmons? <laughs> how about him? What is he? Did you see Clutch Sports uh, tweeted out? Uh, on December 25th at 3.20 p.m., retweet to vote for hashtag NBA All-Star at Ben Simmons 25. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. That's 15,000 retweets, Chris. What the heck? 15,000 retweets. All-Star? Clutch Clutch Sports tweeted out all of their players. All of of their clients, like Anthony Edwards was on there, Brandon Boston, Cam Reddish, Darius Baisley has 40 retweets. Darius Garland, 871 retweets. Ben Simmons has 15,000 I mean, retweets. Good and those, those all count as votes. They all count as votes. Well, that's not, <laughs> it's not going to matter. All I'm, saying, all I'm saying is, you know what? That's hilarious. Let me, go look, let me go look at the East uh, front court real quick. Um, Durant, Giannis, Embiid, they'll have it for sure. Probably Tatum. I imagine DeRozan, probably Jimmy Butler. They'll probably get the other ones. And then maybe one of the Cleveland guys, like an Allen or a Mobley, could at least get some love, uh, given that that team has been spectacular this year. The weird one is that, you know, the West, and you have LeBron and Jokic. But, I mean, all those other guys, perennial guys like Anthony Davis uh, and Paul George, both have big injuries, Kawhi Leonard. Zion Williamson, they're completely out. Both of them were on the all-star team last year. Um, and this matters a lot to guys. Guys do want to make all-star teams. They it, it is a feather in their cap, and it does, they want to be recognized. See this, like there's some of these guys that might have a chance. And Katie bar the door when I say this, because you may, I don't know what you're gonna do, but I was looking through it, and I was like, damn, man, that is a lot of dudes that are out. And I was like, who's going to make this? Well, you usually get a bunch of guys off the best teams. So if you got Paul and Booker for sure, they're going to get it. Aiton will probably get there. But if they have three, then they'll probably get the Warriors have three. It might be Andrew Wiggins All-Star. It's not out of the question. He, He was asked about that yesterday, wasn't he? He was? I think so. And he's like, if I make it, I make it. You know, I'm not worried about it. I'm pretty sure he was asked about that. I mean, he's averaging 19, four and a half rebounds, two assists. I mean, Curry and Draymond will make it for sure. But they may get a they may get Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I don't, know. Don't, don't you also have to consider as well, Chris, there will be guys who get named all-stars, and then they either choose not to go to Cleveland 
for All-Star Weekend, or they, they themselves get caught up in COVID protocols and a replacement player for the All-Star game needs to be named. So like instead of 24 guys, the 2022 All-Star team could end up being like 35 players. It could be. So that could happen as well, too. The interesting thing is going to be like the fan voting because you can't do anything about that. And I do wonder if it's going to be. 25%. Curry is for sure. Well, no, it counts 50%. 50%. Media is 25 and players are 25. But I mean, in terms of the starting lineup, that's going to be. That's going to be votes. Ben Simmons. Vote him in. Hey. I, 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 vote him in. Vote him in. I do Retweet think it's, that clutch tweet. Oh, that's outrageous. <laughs> this is um, it's unbelievable. 15,000 15, retweets. That's got to be bots, right? It's got to be bots. got to be bots. It's hilarious, Chris. I saw that on Christmas Day pop up in my timeline, and I just couldn't stop laughing. Like, Zach Levine. Zach Levine has 1.5K retweets. A fully deserving all-star. Ben Simmons has 15. I think it just maybe maybe it just speaks to people wanting to be funny. Exactly. Right. He's gonna get voted in. I'm telling you, when the NBA unveils like the top 10 at each position, you're gonna see Ben Simmons on there for the fan vote. He's gonna be in the top 10. It's gonna be funny. It's gonna be hilarious. It is gonna be funny. When Ben if Ben Simmons is really on the top ten, there's no way. Fifteen thousand really fifteen thousand is not that many. Okay, okay. Well, what if, what if what if he gets voted in and he returns to Philly or gets they traded? They would stop it. Adam Silver would stop it. <laughs> Remember when Caruso was in the top three at one point a couple yes. years ago? Yes. Good stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom and gift mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Speaking of Adam Silver, here was a topic that I did want to touch on with you because we were not able to uh, oh, yeah, yeah. speak on this. Tournament. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. I love this. Thank so you. Oh, you I'm glad this, we agree on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got this in-season tournament. And the first thing that came to mind when I was reading Woj's article about it. So let me just clear this up. Adam Silver's plan for mid-season tournament is gaining traction. And the proposed format would be December pool play, a pre-Christmas finals, and, and this is one of the things that I've wondered about, which is how do you get players to really care about winning this 
I think giving them a million dollars each is exactly a great way for you to get everybody to care. If you told guys that they were going to get a million bucks, but, but forget the professional pride, personal pride. Every time you want to play, you want to win, like all that stuff. Like you got all that. And then you say, oh, yeah. And everybody on the team is going to get a million bucks if you win the thing. <laughs> I promise you, you are going to get a very heightened level of play. Um, and these poor referees, <laughs> that was one of the things that came to my mind. I mean, this is this is millions of dollars on the line for these guys. Um, but man, I uh, I couldn't be more excited about this idea. I think it's great. And I think you have... I think they have figured out a way to make people uh, to make players care, uh, even if they wouldn't normally. No matter what team you are, if you know you got a million bucks on the line uh, each personally, holy moly! I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I I feel like there's a lot of any anytime Woj tweets about it, there's a mixed reaction. Anytime Shams tweets about it, there's a mixed reaction. Like, what, why screw up the regular season? Why, why change the way it is? And people can feel however they want about it. I understand change can be scary, but I'll tell you what, man. Like, personally, I get fired up about the idea of early regular season factoring into tournament seeding, and then you get this midseason tournament. I think about it in the long term here in two different ways. A, let's say this year, Let's just say, I don't know. Let's throw out the Suns. Let's say the Suns won the midseason tournament. And let's say they got best regular season record. And let's say they won the NBA Finals. That could be a rarity in NBA history for a team, NBA, for an NBA team to essentially have like a triple crown. You won the in-season tournament, you got best record, and you won the NBA Finals. Like that could be a historical thing that develops over the course of time. That becomes the new tradition a team that was dominant throughout the entire NBA calendar year. You're going to have instances where teams maybe suffer a traumatic injury in the playoffs that derails their odds of winning the NBA finals, but they had an unbelievable year winning the in-season tournament. Financially as well, this is going to be something from people I've talked to around the league the last couple of years. The tournament will be something that is packaged and sold to maybe Amazon. All games could air on Amazon streaming services. Something like this could be a big financial boon for the NBA, which could raise player salaries over the course of time, bringing even more than just a million-dollar reward for the winners of the tournament, but more financial rewards for everybody across the league that has felt for many, many years to come. And think about the financial losses the past couple of years through the pandemic. This could help regain some of that and make even more of it. And just from a fan perspective, I just get excited about games mattering early in the season. And, and like that, that, that's what the plan did. Games matter more late. Games can matter more early with the in-season tournament, and they still matter for later because they all count towards the regular season standings as well. Because the NBA has something, uh, a different issue than the NFL. So the NFL, because of fantasy football, because of gambling, 
they get interest in games that people would not normally have interest in. And I'll, I'll give you an example. The other night, my son and I, whenever it was, uh, there was an Eagles game that was on. He has a fantasy football team with all of his friends at school. Okay. He was playing against a guy that had Dallas Goddard on the team. All right. The guy had Dallas Goddard on the team. And so he needed Dallas Goddard to not get X amount of points. We had that game on. Until the very end, because at the end of the game, I think it was a game against the football team. So it was two weeks ago. But the way that game played out was Dallas Goddard got the ball at the very end of the game, and he went and he kneeled. He kneeled down before the two-minute warning. Probably could have taken it to the house. Now, I wouldn't care. I hate the Eagles. I wouldn't care at all. Certainly my son wouldn't care at all. But they got us watching until the end of that game just to see if he was going to lose his fantasy football matchup. And it speaks to how sometimes with that sport, there are reasons to care about games that don't involve your favorite team. All right. Take, for instance, last night. If I didn't host this podcast with you, there is no chance I would keep up with anything that wasn't just the Grizzlies and the Suns. And I certainly don't expect, for last night, who gives a crap who wins these games last night? I mean, honestly, who cares about the Jazz and the Spurs regular season game? With all the, the guys out, the, you mean. With yeah, all the players out even, and everything. Even if they were all playing, Kevin, it's game 33. Who gives a crap? It's one game. It's by the wayside. Unless something historical takes place, it, it, there's no... There's no leverage in that. I've got no skin in the game. I I don't particularly care who wins the game. But if you gave that game stakes, now all of a sudden last night, there's no chance I'm missing Jazz Spurs. If I know that it might mean the Jazz could get knocked out of a tournament or if the Timberwolves win over the Celtics, meant something besides it being embarrassing to the Celtics. Like, imagine if that knocked them out of something. Like, yeah, because guess what? They're going to play another game tonight, and, you know, there'll be a whole new set of storylines about the team and about who got the opportunity to play and whatever else. And so I'm just all for giving things real meaning. It happened the last month of last season, which would be the dog days. It happened because of that play yet. You and I came on here a thousand times and said that that game last night was so much more meaningful because, and now we cared about the standings and who's in 10 and who's in eight. And, oh, my God, this team might have to win twice. And, oh, geez, are Curry and the Warriors going to make the playoffs? Um, Oh, man, could the Lakers have to, you know, just scratch their way in like all those games the last month of the season mattered. And so I'm all for, even if it's this way, finding a way to make games matter that wouldn't normally. 100%, Chris. I mean, the play-in is kind of you know the, the opposite here. Like late games mattered more because more teams were in it because the 6-7 spot, when you're 6, you're locked into the postseason. When you're 7, you got to win a game with the play-in. It made it matter. Those teams that were on the bubble, 10, 11, 12, 13, like this year could be different. 
then last year, this year could actually be more exciting. When you think about last season, there was kind of a differential besides New Orleans and Sacramento. Nobody else was even close to the play-in in the Western Conference. This year in the Western Conference, there's like five games of separation between the five seed and the 14 seed. And that'll stretch out over the course of the year. But maybe not. Maybe this will be a year where, remember last year we talked about the incentive in the plane is if a team has an early season injury, then that guy comes back mid-year, you still get a chance. You're still in it. Your season's not over. Zion Williamson, if he's able to come back and stay healthy, if Ingram can get back from the sore Achilles, they're not out of it. If OKC were to say, you know what, screw it, we're going to trade for Sabonis and get better, maybe they push in for the play-in. I don't know if that's for the best long term, but every team can feel like that they're in it. And with the in-season tournament at the beginning of the season, it just creates incentive for those early games to matter and have stakes to be relevant for fans that are investing their time and money into these games. And like, if you're a Spurs fan and it's during pool play and you're thinking about your potential opponent, you might tune in for that Hornets-Grizzlies game that you otherwise wouldn't have. And that game is going to, it's going to count towards the regular season standings. So it does matter for the traditional regular season standings, for the traditional playoff standings, but it also matters for getting in to the in-season tournament, which is where the money is for the players, which is where the single elimination is. Single elimination is fun, Chris. Oh, I love, who look, doesn't love single elimination? You have to, you because you have to come up with ideas as to how to create interest in. It's an eighty-two game season, and people can say, "Well, these guys are paid millions of dollars, and they should play hard every single night." The level of play you will get in this thing will just be different. Like it's gonna be. Yeah. You think the Celtics lose to the like? All right, maybe they would have. Maybe they would have, but I promise you this: You think you get the same effort out of that uh, out of that Boston team last night? If I tell them there's a million bucks on the game, <laughs> yeah. you think they lose? You think Jordan Noel goes for uh, twenty nine? Maybe I mean maybe he does. You think Greg Monroe, who signed three hours before, comes on as busting their ass? I would like to guess that if and and you could say, well, they shouldn't have to incentivize the guys to give it their all every night. It's 82 games. It's just impossible to have the level of focus, energy, and everything else. And that's another thing, right? The NFL, it, they only have 16 games, so every single game is a high-leverage situation and could make the difference in your season. That's just not so. It's just one of 82 games um, the other way. But now you've found another way to make at least a patch of that schedule really matter and people care about it and get a heightened level of play in the middle of the season. I uh I I, I wish they'd do it. I mean I hope they do. I, I hope it happens by next season. I hope it all is able to happen. It it could. Woj did say it could become part of the calendar for 2022, 23, or 23-24. So it's next season or the season after that. And I I hope it happens sooner than later. Like why wait? Why wait? Just do it. Experiment. And like with the plan, there's going to be a mixed reaction, but I'm willing to bet as soon as this thing happens, people are going to fall in love with it. And here's my one question about it, Chris. Will there be any more incentive besides the money? Will, will, Will the NBA have these games count? It would be an eight team single elimination tournament. 
So let's say let's say you win the whole thing. Do those three wins you get count also towards the regular season standings as in like their bonus games? So they are money for the players, but also it would be three extra wins into the standings that could give you an edge for playoff seeding. So like that would be the reward. People say, why would teams have players play? Why would players not rest in this? They don't care about the millions of dollars. John Wall is making 45 million. This guy's making 40 million. It would matter if you get three extra dubs in the standings that help you out. Like to me, that that is something the NBA should consider with the play with the uh, in-season tournament games counting. Do the losses count? No, I don't, I don't think those would. I think only the wins would. Only the wins would Something count. like that. I'm just speaking aloud here. You know, just just spitballing. Yeah. Could give them maybe, a draft maybe pick. But you could give them a draft like pick. But the problem third, is... The 31st pick, like a compensation pick, something like that. No, give them the 10th pick. Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, the the problem is because then... Maybe you after a whole, the lottery? Well, you got 15? a whole bunch of guys on your team like, hold on now, I'm trying to win so somebody could take my job? Yeah. <laughs> well, how, about, how about 15 right outside the lottery? 15. Yeah, right outside the lottery? That, that's not bad, really. I think 31 is fair. You know? If you're just trying to incentivize it, I mean, yeah, it's too early to make it count for a playoff spot or something. I don't know. You could. I mean, you could guarantee yourself as a playoff spot if you weren't a yeah, playoff team. I don't, li- I don't like the guarantee. I, that's, that's too much. I, that's why I think like if you win each of your games... They, that that should count towards the standings. I tell you this: those guys would rather have a million bucks anyway. I don't know if you have oh, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you might not need anything else. No, yeah, I don't think right. you do. I don't think you do. I, I, I guess the question would be like, while those that eight team single elimination tournament is happening, what what are all the other twenty two teams doing? Are they getting a little break? Are they playing traditional regular season games? Are they? I don't know. Uh, I'm just wondering what happens during that stretch. I'm sure it all has to be flushed out. All right, Kevin. As we are wrapping up 2021. Uh, one piece of news before we get to our final thing. Uh, the Nets are getting guys back. We are going to see Kyrie Irving play basketball. Um, which is good. I'm looking son, forward to watching him play. My son got a pair of Kyrie eights that just dropped. Kids one love of his, Kyrie shoes. Don't it was they? one of his Christmas gifts. Oh, let me just say this: basketball wise, players. Anybody that plays basketball, like there's a lot of basketball shoes that are made for like fashion now, more so than basketball. The Kyries are great, like basketball shoes. He loves his, absolutely loves them. And the new ones look cool, even though I haven't seen them on Kyrie Irving. <laughs> they look, I, who would have thought that my son would wear Kyrie eights before Kyrie? But anyway, <laughs> we are going to see him on an NBA court, I would imagine, in his new shoes. Uh, and I feel like we're going to get to see Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the court at the same time. But even as Kyrie uh, is going to be available. Oh, I guess they're saying Durant's out too, huh? Yeah, yeah Durant's out of So protocol. they're both so- out. Uh, Steve Nash did say last night one to two weeks for Kyrie to ramp up. Okay. So I hopefully mean, by that time we yeah, could, we'll see. You know, nobody gets hurt. We could see them all on the court at the same time. But yeah, Aldridge, Durant, and Kyrie all out of protocols. Um, as we wrap up 2021, I was trying to think of everybody always do, does those like 
year end list or whatever. And I was just trying to think, let me see if you agree with me. The best moment of 2021 NBA wise was the Giannis 50 point performance. In yes. hundred percent. And it's like yeah. not even close, right? I couldn't even think of anything in the same hemisphere. Yeah. That was special. I don't even know what was even close to that. Um, like that, that's forever. A couple good Poku moments last year from his rookie season. <laughs> that time Killian Hayes hit a shot. Yeah, that time Killian Hayes hit a hit a jump shot. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that made me happy. Well, we can hit mine too then. When Luke Walton tried to put Marvin Bagley in the game and he said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was another special uh, moment in 2021. Giannis ordering the 50-piece nuggets. Not 49, not 51, 50. I want 50. <laughs> that was so good. Well, we <laughs> certainly do want to thank everybody for listening to us uh, throughout 2021. It was unbelievable to see so many people sending us their Spotify wrapped, et cetera, over the course of the year. And I saw a thing that people like downloaded and listened to us in 115 different countries. Wow. That's unbelievable. 115? How many countries are there? I don't know. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm stupid. <laughs> 115. It's at 115 different countries. I was like, yo. There are 195 countries. Yeah, How many? I just, go- I just Googled 195 according to Google. All right. So we got 80 to go in 2022. Yeah. That's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we missing? I don't know. I don't know the 80 we're missing. I just saw that it was 115. Um, but anyway, thank you so much to all of you that uh, spent time listening to us and have spent time listening to us throughout uh, 2021 and a happy new year to everybody, yourself included, Kevin O'Connor. Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. No show on Friday, right? No, no show on Friday, but we'll be back next Tuesday and Friday moving forward in the new year. And I'm 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 looking forward to it, Chris. I, I'm very excited. I, I think, you know, this time of year is challenging for everybody right now and for the NBA as well. But uh, basketball is going to be very good in 2022. I can feel it. Hopefully brighter days ahead. Um, and we'll see a bunch of players that we know. Like mm, bunch of bunch of players we know. <laughs> yes. I, though I do did see. I did like seeing Greg Monroe back in the floor. Oh, I love <laughs> I love to to get some of these games. And I'll be like, I'll be damned. <laughs> There was a guy last night. If you if you watch the John Morant game winner last night, the bench is going insane. And there is a guy on the bench. And my son turned to me and he said, who is that? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Now you gotta remember, I'm I'm part of the post game crew. I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was like, William, I don't know who that is. And so yesterday they had signed a guy that I missed, Xavier Sneed, and he was in like the warm ups, and he's going crazy on the sidelines, and I had no idea who it was, Xavier Sneed. He was from the Hornets G League team. And he's from St. Louis, and he played at Kansas State, and I don't know him. And there he was. He's celebrating this great moment, and he said, who is that? that? I, was, I don't know. I think a stranger <laughs> just stole a warm-up. I don't know. How, how about how about Brandon Knight coming off the bench for the Mavericks and scoring 18 points against that horrific, sad, depressing Blazers defense? 18 for Brandon Knight? 
Amazing. Brandon Knight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Brandon Knight. Oh, my goodness. What a time. The resurrection of Brandon Knight. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, Kevin, it's always a pleasure. Thanks again to Jesse Lopez, our producer. And we will talk to you next week. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody.